This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Double Tap. It's Tuesday, it's the 13th of February 2024. Coming up today, more on the Celeste glasses, an update from Shub Mittel from the company, and more of your feedback. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Bow bow. Hello, Sean Priest. Bow bow. Hello, Stephen Scott. How are you? <laughs> I'm good today, I'm good. Uh, it's funny, I've been getting loads of emails uh, telling me that I am a, a hero, uh, frankly. A, oh, yes, thank you. A no. hero for buying the Mantis Q40. I am. Oh, really? I am I, on, I'm being held up in uh, square. Instead of burning my effigy, they're holding it up <laughs> in town squares across the world, well, saying Stephen Scott is a hero. A hero. Well, I would go further. I would say inspirational. Stephen Thank you. Scott. Yeah, exactly. That's Please right. Please stop yeah. pressing the applause button. I feel like um, I'm Jimmy Kimmel all of a sudden. Um, why, yeah. why, why is it you buying that makes you a hero? Um, I don't know. That's not quite what people are saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> to be totally Sorry. honest, okay. not quite say that. But, <laughs> so you just but made I, that I'm up. Getting, yes, I just made it up. But it, it felt good to me. It felt good. You know, it's, it's In, not about truth anymore. It's no. about how you feel. Right? Oh, wow, that's so, all good. Yes, we feel great. You're embracing the blindness, embracing the braille. Right, I'm embracing blindness. I'm embracing Braille, and it's funny, right? Because I, one thing I will never do, and I promise you this, I will never forget where we came from. Because <laughs> how many people tune into this show <sighs> to frankly hear us talk about the realities and the challenges that they face every day? And we get people saying to us all the time, "Look, you know, can you can you talk more about this? Because this is this, this is how I feel, right? And no one can articulate it, or no one else is articulating it. Or if I articulate it to my family, they just kind of shrug it off and say, ah, do you know everything will be better tomorrow? Or it's not that bad. Or my favourite, my personal favourite of the years has always yeah. been, well, there's someone worse off than oh, you. Stop oh, stop it. Because that, that really wonderful? helps you when you're in your situation. Just be grateful that you're not in this other situation. Well, <laughs> doesn't really help me. No, you're absolutely right. I, I, I agree. It is another step, right? It always reminds me of that. Uh, one of the biggest steps was just grabbing that white stick. And it's the same sort of thing, you know? Look, it's well, that's, gonna, that's what it's, we mean you started, right? That's why we yeah, and you yeah, exactly. got together and, and kind of figured this out. And we, we kind of bonded over that very thing. That's what kind of clicked for us because we were exactly yeah. in the same position. We couldn't even face using the white cane outside. Uh, now I just can't face going outside. <laughs> it's a slight <laughs> retreat in some respects. It's like huge embracing in one way and, you know, hermit behaviour on the other. But um, no, it, it's uh, it, it's good. It does feel good. And it's, it's kind of nice to be able just to take control of things again, you know, knowing that I've got access to my you know, the, the emails I'm typing, I mean, the basic stuff. And it is basic, you know, and it's slow. It's painful sometimes, painfully yep. slow. But like I was saying to you at the tail end of yesterday's show, I think you, it's an important point. You have to slow down to speed back up. And I'm not saying that flippantly. I really am not because I've learned this the hard way. You, if you constantly try and go at the speed you ran at before, it's not going to work. It's just not going to happen. And yeah. it's taken me a long time to realize that. I've almost known it. And I think we all know it. It's just doing it. Yeah. It's a losing weight. You know, as I keep saying, oh, absolutely, if I will do this and I will eat this and I will, you know, eat 15 <laughs> fruit and veg a day. And it's like, and then I just call a Chinese. Yes. You know, I'm absolutely. sure there's fruit in there somewhere. 
So, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, it's just you go at different groups. But you know, that's the point. You know, you're trying to always kind of excuse. And sometimes you just got to give yourself a break as well, you know, and say, look, you know, I can't do it all. I, can't, well, I can only do so much. I, you if know. I can't do it straight away, then I'm not doing it, is, is the thing I get. If, if it's going to take me this long to actually see any results from it, it's just getting yes. started is the problem. It's the same with fitness, health, weight, going to the gym, whatever. If I'm not losing a stone a week, I'm not doing it. <laughs> well, that, well, they often say that. That's why people fall, because what they, what will happen is the first couple of weeks you lose some weight, and then a third weekend it starts to plateau, because your body can't be continually losing pounds and pounds and pounds of weight. That's not healthy. So you you, can, you have to it has to be a gradual decline in weight and and that's it if people don't see that result they think oh well it's not working so forget it and I, I feel the same for Braille sometimes it's like if it doesn't feel quick it doesn't feel useful you yeah know, because I think I think there's, there's a, a bit of a problem because there are the people who um I don't, I'm I'm, I'm going to stop using this phrase super blind because it's not really appropriate actually when I think about it it's really not um. But it, it kind of, I think there are a lot of people out there who, who are very good at all this stuff because they've learned it from birth and they've had it forever. And that's great. And I, I applaud you for that. And I think if you can get good speed, I mean, I, I hear people on podcasts and shows reading from Braille and I'm really jealous of that. But I have to give myself the break and say, that's never going to be me. It's not. I mean, if it gets to that point, if I get to the stage where I can read an email on air, I'll be really pr- proud of myself. But I somehow don't think that's going to happen. I think I'm going to use yep. this for checking information, you know, ke- you know, checking emails, uh, proofreading things. Um, everyone talks about labeling. I haven't really done much in the way of labeling, but I probably will because um, I've seen I've, the problem is there's a label printer you can buy, Uh-oh. which, honest to God, it looks like something out of you know my first ever Braille device. It is so ridiculous how this thing looks. So it's white with these green buttons and yellow buttons over. I mean, it's like a kid's toy, but it's a print. It's a Braille printer, a Braille labeler, hmm. uh, kind of like the, the, the electronic Dymo labelers used to get. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remember those? And you get like them. put a little tape in and it would just, yeah. you know. And it looks really cool, but it, it oh, I mean, okay, it looks ridiculous because it looks yes. like some kid's toy. But, you know, the main thing is you can print out those Braille labels. And actually, this thing's quite cool because you can add a QWERTY keyboard to it if you don't want to use the Perkins input keys on it. So sounds amazing. Cool, I hope it's it, only $20 or that's something. the problem. <laughs> I've seen this price on this particular thing. I've seen it fluctuate from around 600 pounds to about a thousand pounds. Yeah. Come on now. Come I mean, on. get real, right? But I mean, yes. talk about the market here. It, 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 who is this for? You know, yep. who, who is it for? It's for a very small number of people. Although again, is it, you know, if, uh, schools, um, I don't know. Some yeah, we keep going on about how many people, you know, how many blind and visually impaired people are out there, right? Millions of us, and then we say it's a very niche market. But it's, yeah, yeah. I, I just think a label, a labeler, is something that everyone could use at home, not just for education, for marking things in the classroom or in the workplace. You know, I think it's something you everyone could use. I think Braille is niche. That's and that is unfortunate. That's at the true. Moment. Yeah, that is unfortunate. That's something we need to improve on and i I, i've i think this is just gonna be an ongoing campaign but why is it niche is it because it's a thing you need to learn or is it because no one can afford this equipment anyway a bit of both i mean i I think the problem is that there's more people well i I don't know stats on this but i would i think from my memory from when i worked at rnib the statistics at least in the uk where there were certainly more people who had sight loss than were blind so as in blind from birth 
those numbers were, were quite disparate. So the number of people coming to sight loss, losing their vision later in life was much higher. So if you're at that stage and you're losing your sight later in life, the chances of you learning Braille are slimmer. Yes, You might absolutely. learn it, but there are issues. I mean, if you've got diabetes or you've got certain conditions or, you know, you've done certain jobs in your life or, you know, like a good friend, Red Sail, who owes my life in books, he's a rock climber. He's destroyed his hands climbing rocks. So, you know, reading Braille is difficult. Now, he's managing to do it pretty well. We should get him on, actually, and talk about this because he's, he's been really investing yeah. some time in it. We should get him on about that, actually, soon. But um, I, I just feel that it's such a... Honestly, I, 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 I've always known this to be true, that Braille is, is amazing for literacy. And it is. Although, I have to say, listener to our show, Chris Cook. Hi, Chris. Um, Chris is... Uh, Wonderful listener. She gets in touch with us from time to time. She calls us our favourite show, which is very kind. Thank you. Um, but uh, Chris, who gets in touch, she just started her own podcast. And I wanted to mention it because I had to listen to it the other day. It's called At Your Fingertips. It's part of Michael's uh, endless takeover of the world. Michael Babcock, that is. <laughs> um, he's uh, under Unmute Presents. You can find this, um, this new podcast called At Your Fingertips. Go search for it. Uh, there's a really interesting conversation with a woman called Kay from Canada talking about how she started out with Braille way back when. And it was a really enlightening conversation because it goes back to the days when you had to use the these, I, I don't really understand it, but these uh, slates and stylus and stuff. Slate and stylus, you had to do it in reverse, right? You had to Braille yeah, in reverse. I, I can't even wrap my head around that. That's just yes. Learn this whole new me. way of communicating. And now do it backwards. Backwards. I know. <laughs> Could we make it more complicated for blind people? So yes. impressive. So impressive. But Chris did this interview, and um, what was really interesting was Kay talked about, I don't want to give the ending away because it's a great conversation, you should go listen to it. But one of the things that she talked about was that at the beginning, she would struggle with literacy because she was immediately learning. They started in, in those days with grade two. So you were learning all the grade two commands and you never really got the full word. Oh, I see. So she, she cited mother as an example. She said, you know, it took me a long time to get to the point where mother was, oh, yeah, M-O-T-H-E-R, as opposed to the various signs that make up grade two that, that essentially shrink that word down to a couple of symbols or a couple of signs. And uh, this is another interesting hmm. debate in this, you know, grade two versus grade one. You know, I, I don't know. I, I feel for me... Grade one might be what I need rather than grade two. Grade two speeds you up. That's Grade two for me is about speed. It's about getting you reading faster. But grade one is, I would say, more for literacy. I'm probably going to get emails on that. I apologise. Sorry if I'm offending you, but well, that's we did just my have, take on it. We had some interesting responses when we talked about literacy and Braille, right? Because mm. it's always the argument that Braille means literacy. But we had some interesting counter-arguments to that, didn't we? That it doesn't actually necessarily mean if you don't read Braille that you are illiterate. Of course it doesn't. So there is a counter-argument to that as well. But I tend to agree with you. I, I see grade two more as a, a speed thing. And of course, the main reason was the space it takes up, if you think of Braille books and things like that. Now, I would argue that's not so much of an issue now due to Braille displays and electronic forms of Braille. But still, when it comes down to you know, a 40 cell display, getting as much info on that as possible. Grade two is very important. Well, that exactly, that's right. But I will say the 40 cell display does get a number of words on there. I mean, I'm finding reading actually quite pleasant on the 40 cell. I don't think I could go back. I had the 14 cell and I think that's, I was beginning at that time. And I just, 
felt it wasn't enough. You know, I was I was forever hitting the, the, the move along button, right? It's like, come on, get to the next word. I've only got like two words on a line here. Yeah, like, it was exactly. hopeless. I feel the same way. I used to, oh, wow, this is aging me. I used to, <laughs> when I used to program, we had to design like user menus and this was all in DOS and you had an 80 character. That was the size of the um, old DOS screen. You had 80 characters. Oh, yeah, the little right, outlines yeah. and the corners of frames and ASCII codes. Wow, I am that old. Um, and it was <laughs> it was a limitation. You had to be constantly thinking of the 80 characters for you know centering text and everything because it wasn't automatic back then. And yeah, it's the same thing. I always think that that just feels like such a limitation since we got true type fonts and all that visually. Um, that sort of went away, but now. It seems like that's, it seems almost going back in time. You've got that amount of characters available to you at one time. But, <clears throat> excuse me, but there is, um, it seems like, you know, with auto scrolling and panning and things, it doesn't seem to be that much of an issue. I just, I'm still not there. So I honestly don't know. It, look, it, it's very personal, you know, and I think nobody should be forced into it. It has to be a choice, especially from adults' perspectives. I think it has to be something you feel you would benefit from. Um, and there are, well, more resources now than ever. I mean, we always talked about resources being one of the big issues. I always said that there was major issues in cost, in education, and in educational resources. And I don't mean necessarily courses that you go on. I just mean materials at home you could use to, you know, just learn it as you go. Yes. Now, for a lot of people, and this is interesting, I mean, we had this conversation during World Braille Day with um, with Freak Van Velsen from Hable uh, One, when he was started Hable, the company talking about Hable One and the, and the fact that people were buying this device and learning almost on the fly. I thought that yeah. was brilliant. Yeah. So I was talking the other day to Carrie uh, Morales, Carrie on Accessibility on YouTube, and um, we were talking off air about a number of different things. And one thing that came up was she was talking about how she uses her Braille display, right? So she has this Braille display. And what she does is when she types something on the computer, she will she set her Braille display to grade two. So our outputs in grade two. And then anytime she types something, she'll immediately go back to the Braille display and say, ah, that's how you do it. Okay, that's the dots that make up that cell. Okay, that's what that command is. Oh, that's right. Okay. Oh, I see. And that's how she's learning it. And I thought, in some ways, that's actually more how I learn. I learn in the moment rather than overall, I think. I learn yeah. if, if I need to know something, I'll learn it. If I don't, that's true. Or, or not even so much if I don't, if I'm given lots of information, it just does not go in. I can't read or use a manual. I just can't. I, for if, me, if I need to know something specific and go to the manual to find it, I'll learn it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I do the same thing with the Hable. What's that command again? I always look up the commands as I need them mm. rather than trying to memorize them all. And plus, it's all about organizing your time. I'm terrible at that. You know, blocking off, okay, I'm going to spend an hour uh, a day yeah, or whatever work. it is. I, 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 yeah, we're not, those, we're not those people. There are no. people who can do that, stick it in a calendar and say, I, every day at this time, I will. I'm not one of them. Yeah, I'll just do it when I do it. And that, this is kind of why I love the Mantis. I think that's what it is, because it's putting the Braille there as I'm working. So instead of sitting down for 10, 15 minutes a day, which feels like it'll never happen in my day, I'm actively using Braille now every time I'm working. So I'm probably doing about an hour a day on Braille without even realizing it. That's true. Yeah. That's it. where it kind of works, right? It's like you're learning as you go and you become, it's like you have to almost get it in sync with your life. I, for me, that's just for me. I want to mention, though, um, and then we'll move on because I want to get some emails in. And we've got Shub Mittle coming up from Celeste to tell us all about the updates there. Some interesting uh, stuff going on over at Celeste. Um, 
I want to mention an app to download. If you have any humanware devices, any humanware devices, well worth checking out this app. It's called HW, short for humanware, Buddy. And this app, if you download it on your iPhone, I don't know if it's on Android. Should have checked that, but full, more fool me. Um, but if, but check in, in the App Store on, on Google, and you can let me know if you find it. But HW Buddy is the app, and it basically has all the instruction manuals laid out really nicely. So if you need to know something about your device, your humanware device, Mantis or the Brilliant or the Victor Reader, whatever it might be, you can find the instructions in there. And it's laid out really nicely. It's actually all the pages of the manual, but they've kind of put a front end on it. So if you want to you know, sort of very quickly find something about how to pair the Mantis to your iPhone or whatever, you can just get to that information really quickly. Uh, well worth checking out. Nice. HW Buddy. It's a brilliant app, and I don't hear many people talk about it, but it's really useful if you've got a humanware device. Wish more companies did that, actually. It's very smart. And I just checked, it is in the Google Play Store. Oh, brilliant. There you go. So it's available there as well. Thank you, Sean. You're very uh, useful today. I know. Sometimes I am. You're welcome. Excellent. Right, let's get into hey. some emails, shall we? Emails. We get your email. We get your email. Emails every day. Ding dong. Every day. Hey. Binky bonky, binky bonky, binky bonky, binky bonky. Right, I need to stop that. Um, <laughs> I was just going to let you go then, see how long you would do it for. <laughs> I just keep going for hours. Binky bonky, bink. Can't do this in Vienna, you know. We've got to be serious. These are have serious we? people. Ah, oh, of course. Uh, yeah, not. I mean, I must admit, people are probably going to gather around thinking, what on earth is I this think exhibit? We're busking. Uh, I, yeah. I'm expecting everyone to join in and rise up like a flash mob and start singing the email jingle, uniting nations with a jingle. Uniting nations. We could do Sound of Music, couldn't we? Is that popular still? I don't know. Hang on. Have you never watched The Sound of Music? I've watched bits of it. Adieu to you and you and you. Uh, da, 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 da. Emails. Advice. Please. Please. Right, Tracy's been in touch. <laughs> Hi, Stephen and Sean. Thank you, Laura, for reading the email. Firstly, thank you, David, for his help with my iPhone 11. I'm not using it for calls at the minute. I have the Sense Player and now have the Victor Reader 3. The Victor Reader has better sound. It is better to download books and less complicated than the Sense Player. Overall, for books, podcasts, etc., the Victor Reader is better, in my opinion. Thank you for all the work you both put in. Kind regards, Tracy. Oh, thank you, Tracy. I appreciate that. And uh, glad you're on the Victor side of things. Um, it's not competition, but it feels like it's becoming one. It's like, Sounds oh, like you've got it. a sense player. Mm, this is the new iOS <laughs> and Android, isn't it? You've got a sense player. Well, I'm leaving you because I've got a Victorina stream. <laughs> it never ends, does it? It was Commodore 64 versus Spectrum and uh, Android versus iOS, Xbox, Sony, PlayStation. We always yep. got to be uh, a competition over something. That, yeah, but you've got to pick something. That's the problem, right? You can't buy everything, so you have and to make a decision. Is the best. Otherwise, I've made a mistake. Yes. I, I think it's just because <laughs> humanware, for a lot of people, we've had Victor Reader for such a long time. The devices have been around for such a long time. And I think it depends where you live in the world as well, because I think there is... I remember when the Google Home came out, and then... No, I'm trying to remember which way around it was. In, in Canada, I think it was Google Home first. It was, yeah. and then. And the reverse over here. Yeah. That's right. It was a reverse for us. And the take-up was interesting at that time because people went to the one that came first. Now, I don't know in the the scheme of things where the Sense Player or its predecessors, you know, sit, but I certainly feel whenever I learned about these devices, it was always the Victor Reader I was was told about. 
That's the one I always heard about more than anything else. Yeah, and well, more recently, I'm hearing about others. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know what? If you took price out of it, I'd have all of these devices anyway, mm. because they all offer slightly different. It's like the Mac and Windows, like all of it. It, it. They all offer slightly different ways of doing things, and you know, some device will have a benefit that the other doesn't have. But of course, you know, funds aren't limitless, so we do need to make a decision and pick what works for us. Dawn gets in touch on uh, the Victor Reader. Hi all. Just thought I would put in my tuppence worth on the Victor stream. The first thing I'd like to say is the amount of time that the stream actually takes to come on is incredibly long. Mm. It's like the old days when you would switch your computer on and go and make a cup of coffee and hope it would be ready when you got back. The second thing is, though you can download books straight from the Vision Australia site or download podcasts, etc. straight to the stream, to save books onto a memory card, you need a computer. Now, I believe this is very limiting, as there are people, like myself, who do not own a computer. I recently bought myself a new iPhone 15 Pro, onto which I can easily download books both from Vision Australia and from Audible.com. I just think it's a pity that if I run short of memory on my Victor, I have to either cull my library or ask someone who has a PC to save things onto a card for me. What are your thoughts on this? From Dawn. Yeah, that's that's a tricky thing. And again, a lot of these devices come, I think, with that assumption that you're using a computer and actually for humanware side of things a pc uh it's getting better i I think that certainly things are getting a little bit better but i've i've often struggled with this because sd cards for example that are transferring between these devices need to be formatted in a way that suits the device and that may not work on your say mac at least it used to be the case i think it's less of a problem today Mm. um but there was that whole thing because it's FAT32, I think, isn't it, that we use on these devices? Rather than NTFS or Yeah, which EFI. is more universal, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, now, yeah, depending on a, another device, it's always going to be an issue. But can you get SD card readers for the iPhone so you could download onto your files and then export onto an SD card that way? You can now, yes, because if you get the – because, of course, with this USB-C uh, right. port, you can connect uh, a, a dongle to that, so USB-C to uh, an SD card reader, which you can buy, and you can put an SD card in. Now, I've never done this. I've never gone down this route with it. That's interesting, actually. I might try that out. Funnily enough, I've got exactly that There you go. right here, because I was trying to download something onto the stream the other day, and uh, also setting up an SD card for the Mantis. And... Um, yeah, it's funny because the SD card I've got for the Mantis is just a two gig SD card. And I thought, well, it's all text files. Will I really need any more than two gig? <laughs> That's probably a library's worth, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly, right? I mean, I've got I've... a 256 gig SD card sitting <laughs> next to it. I'm thinking, don't need that. That's ridiculous. I always lose those tiny SD cards. Always. I always lose them. Just don't take them out. Whatever the thing is, it is just in, leave it never in there. Take it out of it. That's and the simplest. Plus, I always find them a little bit inconsistent when it comes down to formatting. It's kind of what you said before. If you format in one device, you put it in another device and it'll just go, what's this? This is invalid or mm. corrupt. Or It always seems a little bit flaky, but I haven't used SD cards in a while. But yeah, that'd be interesting. If you connect a SD card reader to your iPhone, how much control have you got for copying files across? I should think it would work. Maybe. I'm with you, Don. I think that if you've got the ability to download lots of different things, I, I feel that one thing that's missing from this is some kind of way to, either through a cloud service, maybe like a Dropbox or an equivalent, to be able to get files onto the device that way. You know, because I, I know that might not work for you specifically, Don, but, you know, I, I think we need some kind of online service, like you could use your phone to download a file and then just essentially drop it into files, and then that file is shared, 
you know, directly over to your stream. Feels like that should be easy to do these days. Yeah. Some kind of integration with some kind of, you know, even even if it's just a, a fork of Dropbox or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah. that's very true. Yeah. You, I mean, the Dropbox app on the so either smartphone is perfectly accessible. So being able to copy files to that and then that being shared directly to some sort of, you know, to Victor Reader stream, for example, that would be perfect. Yeah. I mean, some mm. ways Victor Reader is a little bit conservative in the way that it works. It kind of sticks to what it does best. Um, they've tried to improve the software, and I know it's had issues, but I, I don't know, it's, it's not perfect, and there are issues. I mean, certainly the startup is longer than it definitely feels like it needs to be. And um, the, uh, the file system can crash. I've had that a couple of times. But I feel that's something that will be updated as we go, right? So I'm kind of less bothered by that. Are you, though? I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm... I am. I know we're patient, but this it's going to get updated. At that, will be fixed later on. I'm. I'm kind of getting kind of tired of that. How long is that boot up sequence? Why should it take that long? I get it. No, I do get what you're saying. I just. I feel. I don't know. I'm less. I'm. I'm less bothered by that. I'd rather see development overall of of other features. I feel in some ways humanware have been quite conservative in their approach to this, whereas it seems with the sense player. They are trying to almost over-egg the pudding a little bit. They've got so many things going on in that sense, player. I think that's what's putting pe- some people off it. You know, I've had this this response from a few people, and really? I feel that way. I, that's what I mean. That's what kind of made me decide to go down because I really like the idea of the sense player. It sounded more like a cool gadget with lots of different things. It does but sound like a cool new kid on the block. Yeah, when it comes to this, yeah, it's almost like the fonts of assistive tech. It's new. It's got this stuff, and, <laughs> but- and yeah, and that and that's the thing, and and so I. I but I feel also there's that, but what do I want this thing to do? And mm. I think what I want it to do is focus on what it, what the Victor does best, which is reading books, navigating books. I don't really want all the extras with the extra TTS and connect to phones and make calls with it. I don't, yeah, I just you don't, don't have to use it. It's good to have it there, right? And I think the Netflix feature is absolutely a great idea. Absolutely. Well, I could I'd, see myself like using that all people. the time. I'd like to hear people who are using it to tell me your thoughts. What do you think of all this? Have you tried this out? How mm. usable is it? I've been intrigued to know. Uh, Greg got in touch on this one. Oh my, oh my, oh my. Stephen is reading a book. Yay! Or at the very least, he has put a book on his new Victor Reader stream. Yes. That's a start. <laughs> there really is hope for a better world. As far as AI-narrated audiobooks, the hope is that AI could replace our dumb text-to-speech voices in our screen readers and book players. Every time I encounter L.A., meaning Los Angeles, read by my text-to-speech as Louisiana, Mm. I must take ten deep breaths to calm down, only to read about Street Petersburg in the next sentence. I won't even bother you with the agony of reading scientific papers with text-to-speech engines. Thank you, thank you, thank you for getting back to your listeners' emails. Not only do I learn so much from your great community of listeners, but listening to Laura read is such a joy. Always the perfect inflection to perfectly capture the true essence of each email. Now, my fantasy adaptive is if I could only have a magic AI Laura in a little wearable pin to read for me, I would be in blind tech heaven. Now, the Victor Reader Stream 3. Mm. I can wait for Audible. They will get there. If only they could get rid of all the bugs, instability and sluggishness. Using my Stream 3 as my everyday book player and podcast device has been a real challenge. It's always a real feeling of great joy when I go back to my Victor Trek. It doesn't have chapter support. It doesn't have the faster Wi-Fi. It doesn't have the newer text-to-speech engines. But you know what? It works. All day, every day. The Stream 3? It crashes three to four times a day for me. It still needs lots and lots of work. I'm a really big Victor Reader fan, but the Stream 3 so far is a giant disappointment. 
Greg in Pennsylvania. Mm. I take your point, Greg. I do. I take your point, and I agree. I think more needs to be done to fix this. I mean, I've I've seen a few people say, you know, the best thing about the Victor Ruda Stream Three is how it reminds you how good the two is, um, <laughs> which is not a great advert for it, to be perfectly honest. Um, I, I see a few people going back to the, the second gen and saying, you know what, this thing is actually pretty good. I've seen myself do that in the past couple of weeks. That's, that's, sorry, that's a, a terrible. Terrible mm. reflection on it, surely. I mean, you say they're humanware being conservative here with the actual feature set, but to put out a product with which is that unstable, I don't think it's being conservative conservative at all. I think, to be honest, it's fairly reckless. I know I've said it, sorry, humanware, but honestly, I'm not happy with that at all. Well, we shall see what happens. I, I think oh. most of us know that. You know, this is not Apple we're dealing with. Although, you know, let's all remember how many voiceover bugs there are at the moment and how big Apple is compared to humanware. Just to give you a little bit of perspective on that. Um, right, let's move on. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk about Celeste and uh, Celeste glasses. We'll get an update from Shub Mittal on the other side of this. Follow Double Tap on social media at Double Tap On Air and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and email us feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com. We'll be right back. Call the Double Tappers now, 1-877-803-4567, or email us, feedback at DoubleTapOnAir.com. Okay, let's get the very latest then on what's happening at Celeste, the Canadian company, of course, that makes the smart glasses with the audio and the video, which makes us all very excited. Uh, Shab Middle is back with us uh, from the company. Good to have you back on Double Tap, Shab. Thanks for having me back. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Um, I know you are keen to come on kind of just after the new year, just to sort of update us on where you are. So in, in terms of Celeste Glasses, how's it all going? How are things progressing? Yeah, I, it's going great. We wanted to wait a little bit because... Um, now we're actually ready to uh, start giving the glasses to more people. So we always like trying to go in phases and like, hold it back a bit. And so now we feel like the we're at a spot where the glasses are stable. We're getting great feedback. And so we can uh, ship a lot more glasses. And so I thought it'd be more worthwhile to come now. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's been great. We've uh, we've been continuing to like like improve reliability of the glasses, uh, get feedback from people. We've, we've made a lot of enhancements to our assistant that we call Ella. And so... It's it's all really exciting. So what was the take-up like, the initial interest? Did you get lots and lots of uh, people wanting a pair? Yeah, I mean, we like barely do marketing, um, but we've always been lucky where we've had more orders than like inventory. <laughs> so we've always been trying to catch up to people. And so, um, uh, yeah, that's that's been great. And even now, like, I think what's even more amazing, though, is that now the people that have the glasses are like, it's just such an amazing community. Like we have this internal mailing list. Um, like we, like everyone has like my number, we get on calls, they give feedback. And so it's just amazing the people that have the glasses and how much they're contributing to continue to improve it. And, and talk us through that improvement because, you know, when we spoke last time, uh, you know, we were kind of at a fairly early stage not mm -hmm. of development because you had been developing this for some time, but you know you were kind of at that early stage. You were a little bit hesitant to you know get into too much detail about what some of these things that the, the glasses could offer, or at least the capability of of the offer. How has that changed? How have things improved? Yeah, I think the main thing was figuring out how people like wanted to use the glasses, what features we should prioritize doing because there's just so much opportunity to do an incredible number of features. We made the UI really simple. That was a big one where 
if you want to use the glasses, there's two buttons at the top and you can either um, single press, which starts reading all of the text around you, uh, or double press, which describes what's in front of you. And um, we have those two features and then everything else that we talked about, like where we have car recognition and object detection and plant recognition and you can ask all sorts of questions. That's all through our assistant where um, uh, you can ask personalized questions. Because the big learning was nobody actually wants to read all of the text in front of them or have everything in front of them described. Like you always want to read something specific, right? Like I just want to know this mail or things like that. Um, and so that's why I realized that this ha- we have to use this voice assistant so people can specifically ask for what they're looking for. You know, it's interesting because that's exactly what I think about. Whenever I hear people talk about these apps that can read documents or read information, I think, yeah, but the problem is in the real world, the reality is that we face so much information, so much in front of us. How do you disseminate that? How do you get the piece of information you're looking for rather than having to have the entire world read out to you? It's just not practical, right? Mm-hmm. No, exactly. I mean, we had instances where people are like at a grocery store and trying to read a product using scan text and it's just reading, I mean, the product, but then everything behind them and around them because it's a grocery store. It's filled with all these objects and text. And so now it's much better where you can just say like, hey, Ella, what am I holding? Or how much does this cost? Things like that. And it'll just tell you the answer for that specific product. How far do you think you are from final, from nailing all the features set down, from saying, you know what, this is it, this is the direction we're going in? How far away do you think you are from that? I've hopefully never. I I don't think that's ever going to (laughs) happen. Well, that's why we go in phases where it's just like people that are very early that that know they're getting in to a point where we are now, where we are pretty reliable. We do have the glasses uh, work well. There's definitely things that we're improving. We're going to improve the hardware soon. Uh, things like that, but um, yeah, I mean, we're 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 constantly improving the glasses because I think there's so like I said, there's so much we can do with this, and we want to go really far with Celeste. Where um, like I don't talk about this too often, but our end goal, like our mission, is to eventually make smart glasses for everybody and just make everybody more efficient uh, with smart glasses and with this assistant. And so that just means we're going to continue improving. And I think that's the point, right, that you want to create a product. And it's a smart way to do it, to be perfectly honest, because I've said it for years. You make a product that is accessible to as many people as possible, it will be around much longer and it will be cheaper for everybody in the long run. So you're not having to create for a small niche of a community because that's the problem. That doesn't, as we've seen time and time again, that causes huge cost to us, the consumer, as blind people, for example. Um, you know, I want that technology to be out there. And also, let's be honest about it, the more people that have it, uh, the more on it you have to be as a company to make sure it works because you've got more people bat- <laughs> battering down the door saying, I'm, I'm paying for this. I want it to work. Yeah. So, you know, th- that, that's that's really interesting. I, I've got to ask you about the the obvious here, Ira, Be My Eyes. That's, that's the golden ticket for us, right? That's the Willy Wonka moment as far as we are concerned. When we can get access to... Ira, be my eyes through glasses like these. I mean, we have this at the moment through Envision glasses. Is this something mm-hmm. you're, you're still working on? I know last time we spoke, you were thinking about it, you were looking at it. Has that, has that conversation improved or continued? Like we're close to be my eyes and Ira, and so we're discussing the possibilities of doing this. But I think um, what we're going to focus on is having the glasses like just be thinner, be easier to use. And so the problem with that is, you have this bandwidth issue where it's hard to get a video call working. Um, but 
the other flip side of that is I also think that we have a assistant that can do a lot of the tasks that you would want to ask somebody for, but you still get to have that independence of you're doing it yourself through AI. So like, let me ask you, for example, like what kind of questions do you normally ask an assistant? Like when you, or ask somebody when you call Ira or Be My Eyes? Well, Sean, I'll let you go first. Okay, I'll just go off one I made just this morning, which is I've dropped something on the floor. Can you find it for me? Yeah, that, that's that's a great example. And so literally a question like that is something you can ask Ella right now, where we have this feature in Ella where it can continuously scan and take pictures. So you can see like, yeah, exactly. Like, hey, I dropped my wallet. Um, as I walk around, can you tell me if I found my wallet? And it'll just keep taking pictures. And when it sees your wallet, it'll tell you. And, so, and you can do this for a bunch of tasks. Like, for example, like literally a week ago, I was at the airport and I was just sitting on a bench and I'm like, hey, Ella, as, um, like, as people are walking around, can you just describe like the people that are walking around? And so I was just sitting on this bench and it just kept describing like, you know, the people that are walking past me. And if you can imagine, like, you know, obviously that's not something you want to do every single time that get boring, but that's also not something you don't want to like call be my eyes for and be like, hey, I just want to sit here and you know, just describe the people as they're walking by. Um, yeah, could you just people watch for me? Because I mean, that's it. I, yeah. When I had better vision, I used to love people watching. I'd just sit and stare at people all the time. The problem was I couldn't tell they were staring back. So that could uh, that could cause a problem in a few social environments. Uh, you know, I mean, for example, I think about, like you mentioned, an airport. If I'm sitting in an airport and I'm sitting mm-hmm. near a departure board, can I sort of just look at this departure board if I can find it, obviously? Um, can I look at it and and get, well, first off, show me where the departure port is, maybe. And also, you know, when's my flight to Los Angeles? Can it can it do that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So like, if you're looking at the board, instead of, that's the other part of like, asking questions instead of just scan text, like there's all of this text, you just want to know when your flight departs. And so you can just ask, like, when does this flight depart? And I'll tell you. But that's not to say, again, like, there's obviously huge benefits of having a person. And the biggest of which is, like, reliability. You know, I mean, you have AI and it's great, but this technology is improving. And when you have a person, you're like, you just feel a lot more safe and, and comfortable that there's a human looking at this and they're probably going to figure it out. Um, and so I think for us, we're getting a point where, like, AI is really advanced and it's doing a lot of tasks that um, people are able to do. I think the biggest problem is still that latency issue where we need to be able to take pictures, like, a lot more often, be able to describe things quicker. So you can do things like, find an object faster. So there's definitely ways to go. But yeah, I think the potential is there for this to be really revolutionary. I totally agree. And that's the thing that keeps bringing AI into the conversation, right? It's the potential of it. Right now, it's still impressive. Mm -hmm. But where it could be so quickly is even more amazing. But there are times, I'm thinking of another time I use um, Ira, for example, is where I get lost. Even on a sidewalk, I can get lost amongst um, cars and I need to call up and say, hey, can you maneuver me around? Now, obviously, AI isn't going to be as useful in that respect as a human being. So there's still always going to be that that use case for actually being in contact with a human being, uh, an agent who can see your surroundings. So is that something you, you think you're you're not going to go down that road or something that you're quite open to? No, I like because like there are so many uh, advantages of having a person um, look through the glasses as well. Uh, I think within the next year, it's not going to happen. Like this year, it's not going to happen. But um, in the future, it's going to be something we look forward to potentially doing. Uh, but like I said, I mean, these are all things that 
AI can do, but it's just like how, like how fast are the responses, things like that. It sounds to me like you want to do it. It's just that the hardware is kind of making it difficult to get you there. It's not that this isn't something you want to achieve. It sounds like you want to. Yeah, exactly. And in the hardware, like um, we're making decisions as well. Like right, where right now our glasses are uh, really light, like it's 55 grams. There's, it's pretty inconspicuous. Yeah. <laughs> where like you can't really tell that someone's wearing smart glasses. They just look like normal glasses. Um, yeah. And same with our next version of the hardware, like it's just going to be it's just going to connect over Bluetooth, so you don't have to worry about Wi-Fi or hotspotting the glasses. You don't like it's just always connected um, and ready to go. And the glasses are thin, like the camera's hidden. You have the two speakers, and so like you'd have this pair of glasses that people will definitely like, genuinely want to wear all day. And then um, uh, the trade-off there is like uh, you can't have a video call. Oh, okay, interesting. So you really are betting everything on AI. That seems to be what you've really been working on since we last spoke. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, in terms of like all the features that we've added, it's uh, the biggest one is this integration we've done with OpenAI and where now we have the ability where you can, we can like ask those specific questions to Ella, like I mentioned. But even beyond that, we also have other things where, for example, Ella will also, um, if you wanted to, it'll also remember the things that you're looking at and things you, you've read. So for example, if I read like an article two weeks later, I can go and ask it about a stat that I like read about in that article that I don't remember. And it'll remind me about what I read. Or I can go like take a picture of my fridge and describe everything in my fridge and two weeks later go grocery shopping and ask it to remind me what's in my fridge so that I know what I need to get when I'm grocery shopping. And so with things like this, it'll also just help enhance people's memory. We're also very soon going to add the ability for Ella to uh, search on Google. And so that means you can ask like real time questions like what's the weather in Bali or, you know, when's um, like what was the last uh, score for the Chiefs game uh, or things like that. Like what's a good restaurant uh, near me, things like that, where it can get real time information. One thing that I often think about, and you've kind of touched on it there, is that connections part of it. So you know, like you say, being able to read an article and then two weeks later almost summon that information again. thats I think that's brilliant. That's an incredible feature of this. Um, but, you know, I also think about things like if I had a document that I was filling out online and mm-hmm. I wanted to, for example, put my passport number in, I can look at my passport and I can guess, I can ask Ella to say, what's my passport number? And she'll tell me. But can I copy that? somehow can i get that from my passport onto my computer you know or you know i just think it it's like i'm yeah. not great with numbers right so being able to type that down as she speaks would be maybe a challenge for me so how can you do things like that is that possible yet yeah yeah you can do that right now on the app um so like this is one of few, one of the few use cases like you'd want to open the app for but uh on the app you can see the previous like uh text that it just read and you can copy that this is the Celeste Companion app, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's on the Celeste app. Uh, so yeah, exactly. You can copy information uh, about what you read because people have asked about things like that before. Wow. That's cool. Um, I want to go back and you want these these glasses for everyone, right? And as Stephen said, mm-hmm. that's a great idea because, you know, pure sustainability, the more people using the glasses, the better. But don't you fear there's, um, there's a danger here? 
of balancing the needs of the visually impaired and blind people who who want to use these against, as you mentioned, you know, making the glasses slimmer, more like just everyday sunglasses and doing away with the Wi-Fi, going to the Bluetooth connection, which means you don't have the video mm-hmm. bandwidth for live video mm-hmm. connections. Do you think there's a, a conflict of interest in going for the mainstream look and mainstream market and still catering for the blind users? Yeah, well, I mean, that decision, for example, we're making that decision um, completely with the with this current market in mind, completely like making glasses for uh people with vision loss and not making it for everybody because that's not the focus right now. Um, But that decision still makes sense because something we noticed with smart glasses in general um, is that people use these glasses like it's a tool, like it's a a calculator, you know, like you just pull it out when you need it and use it and you put it away. Uh, And so that's how people are using smart glasses as well. Like they'll pull it out of their backpack, turn it on, use it when they need to, and then put it away because it's not like comfortable. Like, you know, if you're wearing big and bulky glasses, you're not going to want to wear that around eight, 10 hours a day, the same way that people do with reading glasses. Reading glasses, people keep on all day because it's comfortable. And throughout the day when you need to read something, it's just already there. And so that's what we need to get to with our glasses. And that's why we're focused on having it be thinner and lighter, where we we do have people right now that are wearing our glasses all day because we have been focusing on making it thinner. But I think we can go um, even farther. And that's just going to be amazing because then it reduces that time it takes for you to get information. Like there's so much information around us. uh, And if you had the opportunity to, if you're able to, you'd constantly be just asking questions about what's around you, reading things around you, things like that. But because it takes time to do it, you don't read as much text as you could or like learn as much about what's around you as you could. And so that's where we're focusing on get it to be thinner where people are wearing the glasses all day. It's, it's interesting because, you know, I, I, so the, the focus is clearly on AI at the moment, right? Because of the the reality of, of the bandwidth issue. That's what I'm getting from you. Yeah, I yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a mix of the, both of those things. I mean, also, as you know, we can't um, do everything like as we're doing development. And so we have to pick one to focus on. And so it also feels like it's, you'd get a lot more value when you can have this AI where you can independently do tasks because people do that right now. Like if you're going to read text, you usually don't call somebody for that, right? You usually use an AI app for that because you're like, mm. it can do that pretty well. You're only calling people for these tasks that these apps can't do. And so if we can get to a point where, um, you know, our glasses can do a wide variety of tasks, um, then you won't feel like you need to call somebody for everything. Do you feel if you going down this route of, as Stephen said, you're heavily putting your eggs in one basket of the AI universe, right? Um, mm-hmm. So you're very confident that AI can handle all the tasks that we need. And as you mentioned earlier, in a quick and responsive way, because that delay can be a, can be a bit of a hassle. And if you're going down this route, don't you feel you're coming up against you know things like the meta glasses and others that may come along? Yeah, I mean, um, that's a big question. I think uh, for the first part, latency is going to keep going down. I mean, we're going to be able to get that down a lot uh, on our glasses soon. Um, but just as the technology is improving, like it's rapidly decreasing, like the latency to get this done. I mean, like when um, Microsoft came out with Seeing Eye initially, like to get that simple one sentence scene description took like a while, it took like 15 seconds to just get that one sentence out. And then they got that faster. And then now with OpenAI, you can get an entire paragraph of information about what's in front of you. And it takes about five seconds. Um, 
And so right now in the class, like five seconds, and you'll just get a ton of information about what's in front of you. And so I think that will uh, keep going down because it's at a point now where looking at an image and getting AI to describe it is as well as like it does that as well as a human and describes a lot more because it just has a lot more patience than somebody does to describe every single thing in an image oh um, we we talk about this all the time I, <laughs> I talk about lazy screen readers you know people right you ask them to read something for you they start reading it and then they get bored right but ai doesn't <laughs> get bored which is good um talk to us a little bit about the the process of, of ordering again because i think this is important for people to understand because it says again on your website about refunding so you can you can buy this, you can try these out, but you can send them back if it's not for you, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and so um, uh, we have this like a low upfront cost where it's a hundred dollars USD um, for the glasses, and then the first month when you get the glasses is free, and then it's fifty dollars a USD every month after that, and in that first month that you get the glasses, if you decide that this isn't for you and you don't want the glasses, um, you can just return it and we'll refund. The hundred dollars that we gave you as well, uh, and you just ship back the glasses. And then, and but really, I mean, that's the point of a subscription is that it forces us to make sure that we are constantly improving and, and making sure people are getting a lot of value out of glasses uh, and out of this technology. Because at any point, you can just stop paying the subscription if you decide it's not for you, and you can send them back the glasses. Like, there's no at least for right now, like we don't have a minimum commitment or anything like that uh, mm. where you need to be paying the subscription for a couple of like certain amount of months. Uh, and, and I think that's also incredibly important because I've seen this before with like assistive technology in general. There's lots of people that will spend thousands of dollars on some expensive piece of technology. And then like a couple months later, it'll just start collecting dust and people aren't really using it anymore. And like if that happens for us, like we will go under, <laughs> like we will not succeed as a company. And so it's important that we are improving and making sure people love what we're building. It's funny that there seems to be more emphasis placed on companies with subscriptions than those like you say that you spend a lot of money on and it lies in a, a cupboard gathering dust because some weird way it's like in our heads where well, we spent the money so that's that whereas when it's coming out of your bank every month you're more aware of it even though it's a tiny amount compared to what you've just spent on the other thing which is, is kind of interesting and what about availability here Shab? because last time we spoke you were getting the Canadian market, the US market was kind of first. Um, what are plans for us here, for example, in the UK or in other parts of the world, Australia, New Zealand, whatever else? Uh, if people place an order for the glasses right now, in about a month, we'll be able to ship it out. And within North America, shipping is free, but we do ship to the UK, Australia, all these places. You just have to pay for shipping, which is like, uh, it's been like $20, $30 before, so it's not like crazy. But yeah, um, yeah we, we ship uh, internationally as well. The only thing to keep in mind is that we are still focused on English on the glasses. And so we're looking at different languages, but the focus is still English. And how does it work? So let's say you uh, you get an amazing design, making these glasses as sleek and as cool looking as you can, and you change the hardware there. Um, if someone's a subscriber, I think I remember this, but I don't want to misspeak in case my memory is absolutely terrible. Um, do they get the updated hardware with no fee or is there a cost involved for existing subscribers? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, we will uh, upgrade, like when we upgrade the hardware, we'll send it to everybody for free uh, as long as they're paying the subscription. So, yeah, that's the other benefit of having the subscription is that I mean, this technology is improving so quickly, even the hardware is improving so quickly, and we wanted to keep everyone up to date. And so a way we could do that is with a subscription where as long as people are continuing to pay every month, we can just keep upgrading them uh, whenever we uh, improve the hardware. 
The company's based in Toronto, um, proudly Canadian, and you're also proudly working with the CNIB on this as well. So how's that relationship going? What's anything new to report there? Yeah, I mean, the CNIB is amazing. Uh, I think since we last talked, they gave us uh, a decent amount of money and funding. And so I'm really grateful for that. Uh, and then also just the support that they provide in helping us test the glasses and uh, hopefully soon getting our glasses into their stores uh, and working with government programs like uh, the STEP program in Alberta. So those things are still in discussion, but CNIB is great. They're incredibly supportive. And I think they're incredibly proud as well that there's an assistive technology company in Canada um, that's building this out. Amazing. Keep in touch with us, Shab, because we love getting the updates. And this is a really interesting project. Uh, I think that a lot of us in the blind community, not not everyone, but there's a lot of us who've been burned before with buying our tech, spending a lot mm-hmm. of money, and then either development not continuing or you know feeling like a beta product from day one that we are paying thousands of dollars for. Um, this is interesting to me because it feels like it's got a nice entry point to it. Uh, mm-hmm. And it feels like you're continually working on it, which is absolutely fantastic. So uh, keep it up. Let us know how you got on and uh, we'll catch up soon. Yeah, perfect. Thanks again for having me on, guys. Thanks, Shab. Good to hear from Shab uh, here on Double Tap, as always, and uh, getting that update. Uh, it's interesting because, you know, we started off this conversation kind of like, oh, great, you know, the, the video calling and all that. And then we kind of realized, that, hmm, that's not really a thing anymore, which is uh, a shame. Um you 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 were you you'd mixed views on this, right? I do. I I just think it's a, it's a a shift in in direction. And I, again, I think that the hardware isn't available yet that allows uh, video streaming in that form of glasses uh, that isn't chunky and bulky. Um, I I totally get that, but I still think the main uses I have for real video, like Ira, like Be My Eyes, is for getting around mobility. You know, I I totally get the promise of AI, and we can't deny how successful Be My AI has been. It's it's been a game changer. I use it all the time. But for something as simple as getting out of a taxi, trying to find the entrance to somewhere, having pictures taken and a response time, I mean, I don't think you can beat real-time video services like Ira or Be My Eyes. Mm. So it is a, a, a shift in direction for this. But then again, I haven't used these glasses. How good and how useful is that AI? I am... I am disappointed in the, the the loss of real-time video, I must say. But again, is it because it's just not quite there yet? Well, this nothing, is the big problem. Technology exactly. just doesn't seem to have caught up. And it's weird because you think about Envision glasses, and they, they do have that functionality. Now, I think that's partly driven by the fact that the hardware is inside the glasses rather than they don't transmitting have to-, to a phone. Yeah, they don't have to worry about bandwidth. They're not transmitting it anywhere. There's no connection to that smartphone in your pocket. It's all done on the device. That's the big difference. It's that wearable camera that connects to your smartphone that we're all looking for that we don't seem to be able to get because technology isn't there yet. Yeah, for some reason, we're able to do it with 2019 hardware. and We can't do it with 2024 hardware. Figure that. Yeah. Interesting, right? And when I say 2019 hardware, I'm talking about Google Glass. Again, the last though, version of which was Enterprise Edition in 2019. Nothing has matched it since in terms of power. Basically, it's a computer you're wearing on your face, though. That's the difference. It's like wearing mm. a smartphone in the glasses rather than connecting wirelessly to a computer or the smartphone. There's a difference. 
Looking forward to hearing people's thoughts. You can get in touch as always. Feedback at doubletaponair.com. Call one 803 4567 Check out YouTube today. We're talking to Fern Lullum on the subject of uh, online dating and her own experiences. Check that out on YouTube straight after this show. We'll catch you tomorrow. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hello, I'm Sean Priest. Join me monthly for Sean of the Shed, where I introduce you to all the technology that can be so useful to us as blind or partially sighted people. Find Sean of the Shed wherever you find all your podcasts.